Global oil prices plummet, kicking Alberta while it's down. Everyone's worried about coronavirus, so the Trudeau government throws a billion dollars at the problem. Italy struggles to deal with the pandemic, and the woke left uses coronavirus as an excuse to lecture us with their annoying ideology. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to spend a lot of time today talking about coronavirus and what's going on all over the world. But before we get to that, I want to talk about Alberta because this is something that's kind of getting overshadowed. Everyone's talking about Corona. Everyone's worried about the economy, the response, what's going to happen. And not a lot of people are really paying attention to what is happening in Western Canada. And let me tell you, it is devastating. I talked about this previously on the podcast about how the tech resource mining project getting pulled was devastating for the province. Obviously, all of the pipeline delays are really, really hard. Alberta has just been struggling nonstop bad news, one news after another. And what's happening this week sort of from a geopolitical perspective is really, really damaging the province, mainly with the price of oil. So I'm going to read this is from the Globe and Mail from their Western Canada uh, update. It's pretty good talking about the price of oil plummeting and how that is impacting Alberta. So it says Albertans woke up on Monday morning. They were confronted with shocking news about the province's energy industry and its economy. Oil prices had collapsed to their lowest levels in four years, with the single largest day drop in decades in the face of escalating price wars between Russia and Saudi Arabia. Alberta's budget released less than two weeks ago was in tatters, and the future of Alberta's economy, which is still hurting from a downturn that began in 2014, is now in serious jeopardy. The price crash came as the province was already staring down the problems related to the novel coronavirus outbreak, which had weakened demand for oil and pushed prices down, and now this. So this is the key part right here. We're talking about the stock valuation of a lot of these big oil companies and oil producers in Alberta. It says this, oil producers saw billions in stock value evaporate in a matter of hours. Oventive Inc., which is the successor to Encana that is now based in the United States, lost more than 70% of its share price by the end of the day. Calgary-based Renovus Energy Inc. lost half. Other energy companies saw their stock prices fall by 30% or more. The TSX Composite Index plunged by 10%. So Cernovus later announced significant cuts to its capital spending plan and suspended its oil by rail program. This is just absolutely terrifying uh, for Alberta, again, at a time when there's just so much uncertainty in that province and really just a lot of unemployment and all the problems that come from unemployment, talking about people losing their homes, obviously losing their jobs, losing their homes. We have all kinds of problems. The suicide rate, for instance, in Alberta is 50% higher than it is in Ontario. So this isn't just an economic issue. It really is a people issue. Uh, this is more from that Global Mail report. It says Premier Jason Kenney, Alberta Premier Jason Kenney, attempted to reassure Albertans, telling them the province was ready to weather the storm while calling on the federal government for urgent action. Mr. Kenney acknowledged that his provincial budget, which just came out two weeks ago, projected a deficit of nearly $7 billion in the coming year with the assumption that oil prices would be double what they are now. So Alberta was already going to be running a deficit, and now we learn that the price of oil has just basically fallen in half, so that will need to be adjusted. Again, just a really unfortunate timing for all of this, a really tough, tough time in Alberta. So our thoughts go out to all of those who are affected. And really, I mean, I don't really know what else the province and the premier can do in this situation. This is geopolitics, but it's just really, really bad timing. And so that is really important news for us. Now let's talk about what everyone is talking about, which is the coronavirus. Uh, I'll give you some updated numbers here. So as of March 10th, 2020, 
There are 36 cases in Ontario, 39 cases in British Columbia, four in Quebec, and 14 in Alberta. So a total of just 93 cases, which is really low globally. It's, it's pretty impressive. There are large outbreaks happening. I think the worst cities hit in the United States right now are Seattle and the Seattle area. There was a nursing home that was hit there that really has been devastating. Um, and then obviously there's just the the, the runoff that, that, that happens with, with the kinds of infections and the way that this disease is spread is, is really alarming, just sort of how easily and how quickly it's spread. Uh, globally, there have been 122,000 cases now, and the death toll has gone up to 4,386, while an additional 66,993 people have recovered from the disease. Now, of course, the, the problem is that the, the death rate is so high. So right now, the World Health Organization says that the death rate for this disease is about 3.4%. So it, it, people who watch it, podcasts, listen to the podcast know in the past, at the very beginning when the coronavirus news first came out, I was sort of saying, you know, I think the media is overblowing it. Really, if you look at the seasonal flu or influenza, how many people get affected by that? It's not a top news story because it happens every single year. Your physician will encourage you to get a flu shot, and most people do, responsible people do. Uh, but it's not top news. It's not the top news story every year, uh, despite the fact that thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people worldwide die from uh, influenza every year. And even in Canada, the death rate about between 500 and 1,500 people die every year from the flu. And again, the news, the news media doesn't really cover it, so it's not a big sort of fearful thing in your face. Uh, but the comparison, you know, the influenza death rate is less than 1%, so fewer than 1% of people who get the flu every year die from it, whereas coronavirus at this point, uh, best estimates is that somewhere between you know, 2.5 and 3.5% of people who get this disease, who, who catch coronavirus, will die, which is, which is really, really scary. So, you know, the scary things about it is how fast it spreads and that, that high death rate. And of course, the fact that we don't have any kind of vaccination. There's no known you know, medication that you can take. There's nothing you can take uh, to prevent it. There's no vaccination for it. So at, at this point, there's just so many unknown things. And that's part of the reason why the stock market has just been going wild. I talked about how the price of oil dropped and that, that really hurt the Canadian stock market. But global markets have just been up and down and up and down and up and down. And so much of it is just because there's so many unknown factors that we just don't know. We don't really know exactly how it's being spread. We don't really know how to stop it at this point. And that's why, you know, it really is important to take precautions, you know, just kind of basic stuff, washing your hands frequently with soap. Uh, it, people at True North will know that I've been enforcing the hand sanitizer rule. We've got them all over the office here, making sure everyone's constantly washing your hands. If you're going to cough or sneeze, do it into your shoulder or elbow. Uh, avoid, you know, handshakes and, and, and touching, uh, social distancing is what they're calling it, which is a good idea. I know a lot of people aren't going into work. A lot of schools have been canceled. I flew over the weekend and actually there was nothing out of the ordinary. The plane was still full. It was a busy airport. There was nothing out of the ordinary. I was talking to a student on the plane who goes to Stanford, but he lives here in Toronto. And he said that Stanford University has just canceled the rest of the semester. I know a lot of American schools have. Some Canadian schools are also starting to do that. And of course, the big concern is that it is spring break. Spring break is this week and next week. March break, as they call it here in Ontario. And a lot of people have travel plans. A lot of people are going to be out and about. And so that, that will definitely be a big test for Canada right now. It seems that we're doing a fairly good job, just in that there's only 93 cases. And you can compare that to much, much higher case numbers in other parts of the world. 
Now, of course, uh, the Trudeau government is finally starting to do something. They've kind of taken a blasé, hands-off approach uh, to the coronavirus and dealing with it. At this point, except for now, they have announced $1 billion in government spending trying to combat the impacts of the outbreak outbreak of COVID-19 in Canada. So we'll break down that $1 billion. Here it is. Support for provinces and territories, $500 million. Not really sure what that exactly means, but money going uh, presumably to uh, healthcare facilities, which are run by provincial budgets. Uh, investing in research, that's going to be another $275 million. Immediate and additional public health response, including funding for Indigenous Services Canada, $150 million. Sustained communication and public education, $50 million. That's one of the ones that I'm sort of concerned about. I don't really know what that means, communication and public education. So is that just, again, encouraging people to wash their hands and uh, not sneeze on each other? Uh, or is that going to be some kind of a propaganda effort uh, by the Canadian government? We'll have to wait and see on that one. Personal protective equipment, $50 million. Repatriating Canadians abroad, $7 million. Employment insurance sickness benefits, another $5 million. And then, because it's Justin Trudeau, of course, we're sending $50 million in international assistance and an additional $2 million to support the World Health Organization. I think that the World Health Organization is an important source. That's someone that you should be looking to uh, to, to get most up-to-date research uh, and figures about the coronavirus. Don't necessarily rely on news sources or, you know, radio hosts or podcast hosts to find out the latest about coronavirus. Go right to the source, which is the World Health Organization. They do good work. Um, however, there are also plenty of examples of money being misspent by that organization. So I think the biggest example is what's going on in Iran. I touched on this briefly in the last podcast, but there's now a lot more evidence talking about how the Iranian government is just, they're just such a bad actor, just such a ridiculously evil government. So this is from the People's Mohajedin Organization of Iran, which is sort of an opposition party that's fighting against the tyrannical Iranian regime. It says, uh, shortage of med supplies during coronavirus outbreak, IRGC profiting on black market. Iran is suffering from a drastic shortage of medical supplies like masks and disinfectants because the regime's Revolutionary Guard Corps, the IRGC, is stockpiling them and selling them to the public at a major markup. State-run media reports that health masks priced at 2,000 reals are being sold for 30 times that in many places across Iran. Some places, they now cost more than 150,000 reals. Yet, Still, people wait in long lines and pay big money for these essentials that are in short supply. We're still on social media reports that show the IRGC has been labeling air fresheners as disinfectant sprays and flogging them to desperate people. I talked about that in the last podcast. And this is even worse. The regime is selling supplies that the European countries gave to them as humanitarian aid. And one man on social media showing that he bought a German alcohol-based disinfectant on the black market. So people are, out of the goodness of their hearts, donating and trying to help Iran, which is one of the worst hit countries by coronavirus. And that is because there's so much business that get, get, gets done between Iran and China. They're both evil communist regimes. And 
A lot of people in the world don't want to do any business with Iran, and one of the only countries that will is China. So there's a lot of direct flights between the two countries. When a lot of countries were blocking flights and stopping people from coming from China, the very, very beginning of this outbreak, Iran didn't have any precautions. So a lot of people in Iran are suffering and 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 have been infected with the coronavirus. And so because of that, again, the government is just evil, and that's why. That's that's part of the problem. When you give money to international aid and international assistance, it's completely unaccountable for. A lot of times, the people who are most in need are the ones with the most tyrannical and backwards types of governments, who are exactly the type of people who are going to misuse funds and use it to, for their own personal gain, not to help the actual individuals in need. So that is sort of a sad situation. Now, this is sort of a big story. The first. Case of community infection in Canada has been reported. So, community infection is when someone gets the coronavirus and they have no idea why. It just just there's it spread throughout the community. So, it's not that they have you know person they didn't personally go to China or they didn't have someone in their immediate family or someone they work closely that went to one of the sort of uh, origins of the disease. But it's just you know someone gets it, then someone else gets it, and it gets passed along through the community. So that's sort of Terrifying uh, happened here in Toronto, and interestingly enough, it happened at an event that Justin Trudeau was in attendance. So this is from the Financial Post.、It、says anyone who attended the Prospectors and Developers Association of Canada 2020 convention in Toronto, being asked to monitor themselves for symptoms of the coronavirus after a man who attended was tested positive in the Sudbury area, Justin Trudeau. As well as Minister of Natural Resources Seamus O'Regan and Ontario Premier Doug Ford were all in attendance at the conference. So that's pretty terrifying stuff,、uh, especially given how fast we know that this moves. I know a lot of people who are very worried about this are just worried about how quickly it grows and how how fast you can go from saying like, "Hey, Canada's doing a pretty good job. We only have 90 some cases, 93 cases,"、uh, to all of a sudden. You have a situation like Italy, where the number of cases was just doubling every single day for a while. A new research report coming out of the University of Toronto's Dallas School of Public Policy indicates that anywhere between 30 and 70 percent of Canadians could become infected by the virus if it continues to spread. I mean, this is kind of like worst-case scenario. I, I know that there's definitely a couple different ways to approach and look at this. You know, we should just go about our daily life and make sure that we're using,、uh, you know, cleanliness routines and making sure that we're not exposing ourselves. And then other people who are like on full lockdown and aren't going to leave the house and are completely paranoid. I think when you hear statistics like 70 percent. Of Canadians could be infected,、um, you know, just to play out that math. And I'm definitely not saying that this is a possibility,、um, but this is just according to the research. 70% of Canada's population. So Canada has 20. Canada has 35 million people. 70% of that would be about 25 million people if the death rate of this disease is as it's currently pegged right now, 3.4%. That equates to 850,000 people that could potentially die from this disease in Canada alone. Now, of course, the death rate keeps shifting because it really just depends. Like you could say that the only reason that the death rate is so high is because so many people who、um, so many people who have coronavirus that don't die from it don't even know that they have it. So if there's 122,000 known cases, but there could be an, an additional 100,000 or more people who also have it but don't know because they don't show symptoms and then they recover. Before they even know, the death rate would go down a lot. And again, that's just part of the idea that there's 
just so many unknowns with this. I'm not sure if, you know, a billion dollars is well spent right now because the problem with the Trudeau government is that they have no sense of fiscal responsibility. They have no concept of money and how bad things are. You would think in, when times are good, which they have been, frankly, for the last decade or so, that's the time when you sort of save up, when you, when you make sure you pay off your debts, you build up a reserve, you build up a rainy day fund just in case so that if something like this happens, like the world price of oil drops, like the coronavirus outbreak in Canada, you have a reserve funding. And that, that was, that's sort of the basic economic idea. Uh, you know, Trudeau government has done the exact opposite. They have been spending like there's no tomorrow, racking up really unnecessary deficits and, and piling Canadians deeper and deeper in debt. They're so over leveraged that now when you hit a point like this, it becomes like a perfect storm. You have all of these investors fleeing Canada. Warren Buffett just announced $4 billion he's pulling out of the country, not to mention um, the, the tech frontier pipeline news that they're pulling out. The fact that we can't get any pipelines built. I mean, we're just having a major, major problem of confidence in Canada's ability to get the market running. And then add to that the global price of oil, add to that coronavirus, and we have no rainy day fund. So where is this billion dollars even coming from? It's, I'll tell you, it's coming from debt. We're borrowing more and more money. Uh, Canada has a budget coming up. And I know that there's a lot of sort of liberal centrists and left-wing voices calling on the Trudeau government to do a stimulus package, to dig in even deeper, to borrow more and more, leverage Canadians even further. That's a terrible idea just from an economic perspective. Now is not a good time to borrow more money and to bury Canadians deeper and deeper into debt. But that's probably the approach that we're taking. And this comes after last week when the federal government announced that it would be spending $27 million on research for COVID-19, which included $2.6 million on research about how to get this, combat discrimination, racism, and social media misinformation. Again, the concern of the Trudeau government is not on stopping the disease, on containing it, on making sure that there's screening at airports. Like I said, I was at the airport on the weekend and there was absolutely nothing. There was absolutely no screening. There were no people taking temperatures. There's not even someone monitoring to see if someone was like coughing or sneezing when they were getting off the plane. They're not doing any kind of monitoring at the airport. Uh, and that's Pearson Airport, which is the biggest, obviously, international hub in Canada. But they do want to spend $2.6 million of board money to focus on racism and how Canadians are just racist. And we're, we're, you know, coronavirus is just an excuse for us to show our true colors and how racist we are. That's what the left truly believes. And same with the $50 million for the sustained communication and public education campaign. Who knows what that means and why we need to be borrowing money in order to do that. And if we look at Italy, what's going on, they're, they're really struggling. Italy is an example of a country where the outbreak just sort of happened, you know, overnight. They had a huge, huge crisis on their hands. More than 10,000 people have contracted the COVID-19 strain of coronavirus with tens of thousands of people being tested at hospitals. A medic in northern Italy said that hospitals were running at, quote, 200% capacity with doctors forced into life or death decisions over who should receive intensive care. This is also part of the problem is just a total lack of resources even in developed societies and developed countries like Italy. Um, and again, this is a concern in North America and Canada, the United States, that we just don't have the capacity to have 35 to 70% of our population in a hospital room getting care if, if that's what it comes to. So this is from a story uh, translated um, 
by the Metro UK. It says the current situation is difficult to imagine and numbers do not explain things at all, said an unnamed medic. We've stopped all of routine. All operating rooms have been converted into intensive care units and they are now diverting or not treating all other emergencies like traumas and strokes. There are hundreds of patients with severe respiratory failure and many of them do not have access to anything uh, above a reservoir mask. Yeah, so I mean, that's just the concern right now is that we just don't have the capacity if things get as bad as some people are predicting. And I think what's happening in Italy is a bit of a preview of what could happen if this disease comes to North America like some are predicting it. It's kind of eerie to see pictures of Italy right now. The country's on complete lockdown. So some of the most beautiful uh, historic places in, in the con- on the continent, p- places that attract a lot of tourists that they go to, Um, are just kind of empty right now because people are on lockdown, people aren't traveling. Like I mentioned on the show, you know, we have spring break coming up. I know a lot of people who have trips planned and they just don't really know what to do about it. Um, I was at my church group, mom group earlier this morning and some of the moms, well, first of all, there's usually like 30 people there. Um, Today there was like four people there. And uh, the ladies that I was talking, that I did speak to, you know, they say, you know, we have a trip planned to the Dominican Republic. I don't really know if we're gonna go through with it. My own sister is supposed to fly in and visit us next weekend with her one-year-old. And her concern isn't necessarily anything about catching coronavirus, but it's about quarantine and what will happen if she can't get back on her flight. Uh, she lives in the US, so if she gets stuck at the border for whatever reason, something happens where the border gets blocked or people get into quarantine, that's that's sort of the fear. No one wants to be stuck in quarantine uh, for two weeks staying, you know, who knows where in a gym or at a motel or wherever they put you. And I think that's that's part of the problem. I myself, I went to Costco yesterday to just kind of stock stock up, get the house stocked just in case there's any kind of a, a shutdown where they decide to close stores or something like that. I've never seen Costco like that before. It was packed on a Tuesday morning. It was packed. You couldn't you couldn't get a parking spot. There was a line to get in because they were wiping down all of the buggies for people. Um, they were completely sold out of toilet paper. Uh, they had maximum uh, two uh, two item limits on a lot of products. So again, it was it was just really really a lot of people are panicking and worried about what is going to happen. Um, And not surprisingly, the left is using coronavirus as an excuse to lecture us. So uh, this this story popped up on my uh, news feed and I I thought it was a serious story, so I read it. But this is going to be this week in fake news because it is just sort of ridiculous. So this is a Vox news story. It says, "Want want to do something about coronavirus? Here are five ideas. It's easy to feel powerless. Instead, let's help the most vulnerable. Okay, here we go. So the, story, the, the the piece starts off not too bad. It says, let's take basic precautions, talking about how, you know, if you're sick, stay home, make sure you're washing your hands, uh, make sure you just, you know, avoid interact too much interaction with people, um, kind of basic stuff. So you read it and you're like, okay, this is a pretty useful uh, <laughs> report here. 
Uh, but then all of a sudden you start reading and you realize that they're just trying to lecture you about social justice nonsense. So one of the things they talk about is if everyone's staying home, they don't want to go to the grocery store, they might have to rely too heavily on delivery. But the problem is that delivery people could also get sick. So it goes, this is especially important since many delivery workers lack paid sick time. So they start lecturing us about how delivery people should have better benefits, they should be paid more, and they should get more sick time, which really, um, sure, that might be your pet issue, but you know, we're focusing on coronavirus in this article, but they just can't help talking about how, you know, delivery people supposedly are mistreated, and yet, you know, there's still so many people who want to be delivery people, so I don't quite buy that. The next tip from Vox is don't join in on racism and xenophobia. So it says people have been using the coronavirus, which first sickened people in Wuhan, China, as an example to revive racist stereotypes for months. The outbreak has had a decidedly dehumanizing effect, reigning old strains of racism and xenophobia that frame Chinese people as uncivilized, uncivilized barbaric others who bring with them dangerous, contagious diseases and an appetite for dogs, cats, and other animals outside the norms. Well, I mean, this is just sort of unproven. I'm sure that there are some racist jerks out there who have been using this as an example to make, you know, uh, unpolitically correct, politically incorrect jokes on social media. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that this disease did originate in China. That is the origin. And from best information that we have right now, it has something to do with the sale of bats and the fact that bats carry so many diseases. So whether they were handling bats or eating bats, that, that is the origin of the coronavirus. It is a fact. So pointing that out or talking about how, you know, we really shouldn't, human beings really shouldn't interact with bats in that kind of way, that's not necessarily racist or xenophobic to say. It's just sort of a fact that applies to everyone in the world. And to sort of sit here and lecture us about how we shouldn't talk about how this disease originated in China, is just annoying. Like, like, why can't we just talk about the facts? Why can't we just be honest about the origin of this virus without having the left, you know, <laughs> trying to lecture us? It talks about how Chinatowns across the country have lost businesses and people have avoided eating out at Chinese restaurants. I think that's true about everything. I would guess that 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 you know shops and malls and all kinds of public places have lost businesses. It's not unique to Chinatown. I'm sure all restaurants uh, have seen less people wanting to go out and eat just because people are concerned. People are worried about going and interacting with other people, having food prepared uh, that where they can't see it and brought to them just because you don't know what it is. So I think that this is really just a little bit of over-exaggeration. Um, I think that there is some concern of people. I'll give you an example. Charlie Kirk who is a conservative activist and sort of a high-profile young conservative, big supporter of Donald Trump on social media. He's a pretty very smart guy. I watched some of his videos and I, I think he's very intelligent. Unfortunately, he decided to start calling this disease the China disease, just like that China disease, which isn't really that accurate. It isn't really helpful. Sure, it originated in China, but it's not the China disease. It's, it's a respiratory disease and it is now global. The problem, you know, nobody cares that Charlie Kirk tweeted that. He can, he can tweet stupid idiotic things if he wants to. The problem is that President Donald Trump then retweeted him, which I think is wrong. I don't think that the president should be kind of weighing in and using those kinds of slang to talk about the disease. And you don't want to give, you know, you don't want to give fodder to the left because they're going to, you know, 
complain and say that the whole reaction is racist no matter what we do. And so when conservatives sort of walk on that line and, and do these kind of things, it, it really just doesn't help. So I, I, I wasn't happy to see that. I thought that was unfortunate. And, and that is also true that the left is over-exaggerating. So back to this Vox article, the next tip for how to react in this coronavirus situation is don't write off the people most vulnerable to the virus, reach out to them. So according to Vox, uh, we should dismiss people as unimportant and say, oh, it only kills the old and sick. Um, I don't know how reaching out to these groups physically should help. I actually think we should probably avoid those groups because on the off chance that you've been infected and you don't know because you're healthy and so you don't have any symptoms, um, and then you go and start reaching out to elderly members of your family or your neighbors, there's a possibility that you could actually spread the disease to them. So Vox is just, again, giving bad advice, uh, of course. And then their last tip about coronavirus is be informed and mindful of those most impacted. So they talk about misinformation about coronavirus, and then they use it as an example to bash President Trump and talk about how he feeds xenophobia and makes people less safe. So I think both Justin Trudeau and Donald Trump have handled the situation rather poorly. I think that the U.S. has taken much more precautions. They were very quick to close the border with China and stop flights, which was good. Uh, the problem is that Donald Trump has been contradicting officials and uh, members of the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, which is really unhelpful. It's times like this that the president should just keep his mouth shut and let the experts do the talking. But again, thanks a lot, Vox. Really, you provided nothing in this article of substance, only sort of whiny, annoying lecturing from the woke left, which, uh, you know, most times you just want to ignore advice from the left. And at times when there's actually potentially a big crisis and pandemic, the last thing that normal people want to hear is lecturing um, and SJW nonsense and someone pushing their ideology. So to the woke left, just stop. Just stop. All right, that, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.